With a stress-free 7-0 win over the absolutely dreadful Oakland Athletics last night, the Mariners jumped to a 4-0 record on their current homestand, thanks in large part to Julio Rodriguez. We'll talk about the game, discuss whether or not Julio has a chance at the American League MVP coming up here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Tuesday, August 29, 2023. This is Tidding Gonzalez and Colby Pattenhead for the Locked On Mariners podcast, brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper picks. You can win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On. That's L O C K D O N. You'll get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. If you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. We want to see you. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial. Check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. On the show today, we'll talk about last night's win over the Oakland Athletics, and Colby wants to paint a scenario where Julio could steal the AL MVP award from Shohei Otani. Uh, but first, Colby, let's start with Brian Wu, who made his second start since returning from the injured list last night. He goes six innings pitch, 69 pitches over those six innings, five strikeouts, one walk, just three hits allowed, just two hard-hit balls. And look, it's yes, it's the Athletics, but I don't really care about the results on this front. The stuff just looked really good from Wu last night. So what did you think about his night? Yeah, you know, it was pretty interesting uh, night for Wu. Uh, only 69 pitches. Uh, still goes through six. Obviously, there's a pitch count limit. Otherwise, he would have, you know, gone much further. But hey, you know what? You're trying, even if he could have gone 80, like what's the point of wasting bullets in a game that you have, you know, in hand? Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a fast night. It wasn't a short night. It was a fast night for Wu, but uh, the big development in this start was definitely the cutter, um, which appears to be, or at least to not, at least last night it was a legitimate counter to left-handed heavy lineups uh, that teams have run out against Wu recently. So uh, it was, we saw some really good ones. We saw some, you know, okay ones, uh, but it was a pitch particularly early on when the game was still a little bit close. It was a pitch that he was going to a lot and getting whiffs with. Uh, as the game kind of became more and more of a, a blowout, uh, we did see more fastballs, four seam, two seam, just woo throwing strikes, getting quick outs. So uh, the whiff rate did decline uh, as the, as the night went on. But the cutter was a legitimate pitch. Um, you know, average exit velo on it of eighty four. Uh, he got four whiffs on eleven swings on that pitch. That that's a pretty mm-hmm. good ratio. Uh, so. Yeah, it, it was a legitimately good pitch. Uh, we haven't seen it. A, this was the most we've seen him throw it. Uh, and it pairs really nicely with his four seam and his two seam. So if he can have this type of cutter going forward, it's a legitimate neutralizer to lefties. We saw him saw a couple guys off with it. Um, we saw him get swings and miss. And we even saw him get chases against righties uh, yeah. with that pitch. So, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes it's a little tough to, to tell the cutter and the, and the slider apart. So. I don't know if it was actually 19 cutters to three sliders, but anyway, you want to slice it. Wu, you know, deployed a legitimate pitch to, you know, counteract lefties. And uh, that's a big development. Now, 
The question is, can he do it again? Can he do it yeah. in his next start? Can he repeat, uh, you know, that cutter uh, or whatever that pitch was? Uh, can he repeat that effectiveness going forward? Because if he can, then Wu has, you know, found a at least a reasonable counter to his greatest weakness. And that, that would be a huge development for the Mariners, either as a starter or maybe in the playoffs as a potential high leverage reliever type. 29% call strike plus whiff rate for Wu last night. I also thought that the sinker looked really nice at times. Uh, again, just his stuff looked really, really good last night. So um, again, you, you mentioned, you know, a moment ago that, you know, you don't want to waste your bullets here in a game that you already have in hand, but we've seen him go 65 pitches now, 69 pitches uh, in his second start since returning from the, uh, from the IL. Um, do we think that like 70 it might be his cap the rest of the way here? Maybe 80 if they want to push it. Like, where do you think his max is in terms of pitch count from here on out? I don't know if it's a pitch count thing necessarily because, you know, and this goes back to like the whole innings thing too, right? We It's an innings cap and it's like, well, it's really more of a pitch cap. Well, not all pitches are created equal. Not all innings are created equal. So I don't know if it's necessarily a raw because like if he throws 60 pitches and he's in the seventh inning and he's just 10 pitches an inning, sometimes less then he's cruising. Like th those aren't high stress. Yeah. pitches. So I don't know if it's a, a pure pitch count thing um, going forward, but it, it might be. Uh, it'd be great if his pitch count was 70 and he could still get through six innings every single time out. But there are going to be times where he's only going to go four and, and the Mariners have to decide, do we push him for a fifth with, you know, only two days off in the month. And um, it also does sound like there is a plan in place to skip him once uh, sometime in the month of September in favor of uh, Luke Weaver getting a, a spot start. So we'll see. Obviously they're still, they're still uh, very uh, cognizant of, of trying to, trying to save uh you know bullets for uh from woo um uh, mm -hmm. so how how that you know takes shape i don't really know uh it, it's pretty interesting though that they are i don't want to say going to this extreme because it's not an extreme but um you know woo's probably not getting a start in the playoffs anyways so uh he's probably moved to the bullpen if they indeed make the playoffs uh so i, I don't know what the plan here is uh maybe it's to you know just keep it around 60, 70 so that when he comes in and, and, you know, needs to go two and a third, he can, he can do that. But, uh, I think, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't think you're going to see him push a hundred pitches the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that obviously, you know, I think he'll, they'll skip him once or twice when they can, uh, down the stretch, but yeah, they're, they're going to need some innings out of him because you can't have a guy go out there every five days in the middle of a pennant race and, and go three innings like that's just not yeah. an acceptable outcome. So, um, he's going to have to be efficient like he was last night because they still do need innings, but the Mariners are going to try and protect him as much as they can. Big night on the offensive side of things from uh, Gino and JP and Teo and, of course, Julio Rodriguez. We're going to be talking about those guys in just a moment. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Locked On Mariners podcast is brought to you by Sleeper. Want the chance to win more money with less picks? Head on over to Sleeper, where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on their stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you could win big. Making your picks is easy and takes only 30 seconds or less, and if you win, you can withdraw your payouts safe and quickly. Use promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. 
Check out Sleeper today. Do it. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. The Mariners and the A's start game two tonight. You can catch all the Mar- uh, all the action on the Mariners' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. So uh, J.P. Crawford got the party going last night in the uh, Mariners' seven-run explosion against the dreadful A's. Another leadoff home run for J.P. That's his fifth on the year. Now a career-high 12 home runs in total on the season. Julio goes four for five. He's the story in this one, of course. He hits his uh, another home run, three straight games with a home run for Julio. Eugenio Suarez with a couple of hits, a couple of doubles. Um, Teoscar Hernandez with a couple of runs driven in. He's staying hot. Uh, really good night for the offense. It was kind of a heat check lineup for the Mariners. Uh, the bottom of the order didn't really do a whole lot. And uh, Colby, this team really misses Tom Murphy, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, no disrespect to Brian O'Keefe, but uh, yeah, yeah, going from Murphy to O'Keefe is is a massive downgrade. Uh, thankfully, the rest of the lineup has more than picked up the slack uh, for Tom, which does beg the question, you know, when Murphy comes back, and it does sound like it's a matter of when, not if, yeah. um, you know, how dangerous is this lineup really going to be? Because um, like you mentioned, you know, last night at the bottom of the lineup, really the only part that didn't contribute uh you know, seven of the starters had at least a hit, uh, but Caviero and, and O'Keefe went 0 for 8 with uh, three strikeouts. Uh, each did have a hard hit ball, though. So, uh, you know, sometimes bad luck. But, uh, yeah, the story of the night is definitely uh, the top uh, the top five, really, uh, for mm-hmm. the Mariners. Uh, they had, let's see, they had 2, 6, 10, 12, 12 hits. 12 of the Mariners, 14 hits uh, came from the top five. And this is this is nice because we saw parts of the road trip where the bottom of the order was actually carrying uh, and the top was struggling. So, uh, you know, this is what happens when a, when you face really bad pitching, but also, you know, when you, when you're playing really well and everybody's executing their, their game plans correctly and, and their swing decisions are good. Um, you just pick each other up, uh, you know, in, in, on different nights and uh, you know, JP went two for four, scored three runs, uh, you know, Julio went four for five, scored three runs, uh, drove in three, uh, you know, Gino two for four, uh, you know, Teoscar two for four, uh, you know, France two for three. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just one of those things where you have everybody in the top five has multiple hits. You're going to score yeah. a lot of runs and that's what happened yeah. last night. And, and the Mariners offense is just cruising right now. And, um, you know, it, it, it's easy to, to, to dismiss this and say they're, they're facing terrible pitching staffs, which they are like, Oakland and Kansas city might be the two worst pitching staffs in, in baseball. But when you watch the quality of the at bat, regardless of the quality of the opponent, it gives me some, you know, fairly good, you know, good amount of confidence that they can score four or five runs a night, even against good pitching staffs. They're not going right. to do it every single night. They're going to be nights where they struggle just like Sunday, but they're going to find a way to give their team a chance to win. Uh, it's no longer the Mariners get down two to nothing in the first, which they haven't done like in a month. So, but it's no longer like if that happens, well, I guess in Kansas city, it happened. You're like, Oh, this one's over. Well, no, they, they have time. You just got to The pitching just got to keep them in it. And the offense is on fire. But uh, yeah, right now Julio's overshadowing everybody, including a red hot Teoscar Hernandez, who people just don't care about right now because Julio's on a different planet. 
Right. Yeah. Teo has been fantastic. And uh, we're finally seeing that one, two punch that we were hoping for between him and Julio. And I mean, the one, two punch at the top of the lineup too, with JP and Julio, that is incredibly dynamic. That is one of the best one, two punches at the top of any lineup in major league baseball right now. It is a lot of fun when both of those guys are cooking. And it's also nice to see that JP, despite having the concussion, because you don't know, right. With a concussion, you don't know how a guy is going to respond, especially when he was only out for what, 10 days how he's going to uh, perform at the plate. And he has just basically picked up right where he left off. It was a little bit of a slow start for him in that White Sox series. But since then, he's been excellent. So, yeah, just this offense is a whole lot of fun. And also, you know, Colby, to your point, right? Uh, yeah, it's bad pitching staffs. But how many times have you and I gotten on the show, talked about, you know, they went up against a bad pitcher and they just didn't do what they needed to do against them. Right? Like, yep. Yeah, it, it's... Look, hitting in, in Major League Baseball is incredibly difficult, but there are times in the first three months of this year where you are going up against AAA call-ups and like 4A pitchers and you're, score, yeah. you're struggling to score two, three runs. Um, you know, you score five runs in a night and you're like, wow, offense might be turning things around. And and now you look at it and over the last, you know, three weeks or so, the Mariners score five, you're like, yeah, kind of an average day for them. Like, so it, again, Yes, they're going to face tougher pitching down the stretch. Yes, the offense will go through some kind of struggle down the stretch at some point. Yep. But the fact that they're doing what they're supposed to do against bad pitching is a good sign because they weren't doing that March through June. So uh, the fact that they're doing and I mean, even then, they were about an average offense, league average. The, the woes of the Mariners offense were a little bit exaggerated. Yeah. But they are now, I think, top five in WRC+. plus. Uh, which accounts for the ballpark. And they are now uh, inside the top 10 in runs per game uh, overall. So uh, yeah. And we also have to remember Seattle's not a great environment uh, to score runs. It does. The uh, T-Mobile park does suppress runs a little bit. And that's why WRC plus carries a little more value, um, you know, at the end of, in, in predicting than runs per game, just because there's fewer runs per game scored in Seattle than there is in say Cincinnati. Right. Uh, but yeah, the, the offense has been on fire. Uh, it's gone from average to good, like mm -hmm. legitimately good, uh, maybe even great. Uh, and they've done it with, I mean, obviously look Julio and Teoscar being like stars, being like two of the five best hitters in the American league for a month, yep. that's going to raise all the boats, right? The, <laughs> that that's the tie that's going to lift up all the boats, but JP's also like a top 20 hitter in baseball right. in the month of August as well. Like. Yeah. Right. And, and Cal's certainly contributing with home runs and, and they're getting yep. little bits and pieces from everybody else. Obviously, Josh Rojas has been a, you know, yep. a, a find uh, in, in the month of August, at least. So um, but I, I think the big difference here is that when you look at April through June, you're really looking at like Julio is an average hitter. Teoscar is a fringe average hitter. Gino is a fringe average hitter. It was really J.P. Crawford. And then you. Hope somebody else got hot. JP Crawford's been the most consistent bat yep. all year. And, and you know, it's it's Colton Wong is struggling and AJ Pollock is struggling and and you're getting nothing from DH, you're getting nothing from second, you're getting Ty France has been mediocre at best this year. Um, and it's really like at any one point, you had like three guys trying to do the job of nine. Right now, you probably have eleven guys doing the job of of nine. Right there, you're yeah. getting production from 11, 12 guys at the moment. The only one you're not really getting production from right now is your backup catcher spot, and that's just because Tom Murphy got hurt. You're getting, right. you're getting production from the DH now. You're getting production from 
you know, all nine, all eight spots uh, in, in, in the lineup uh, plus the DH. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just a deeper lineup and, and there's more options and, and the bench is better and it's going to get better when you had Jared Kelnick here in a couple of weeks. So um, yeah, the lineup, it, it's, it's legitimate. There's no, I mean, there's one fairly easy out in the Mariners entire roster right now uh, when properly deployed. So uh, you know, Dylan Moore has, has been great since he's, you know, kind of, you know, got his feet underneath him. Caballero yep. continues to find a way to help you, uh, yep. typically by getting hit by a pitch, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, stealing a base right after. Sure. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, Cade Marlowe's he's, he struggled. He's a little bit of a, the struggle bus the last week or so, but he's still putting up good at bats. He's taking pitches. He, he also had that really impressive home run the other right. day. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's still some pop there. So you're still getting a good at bat. Mike yep. Ford has been a lot better the last 10, 10 days or so. Yep. Yep. Um, there's always a chance he pops Homer. There's a chance he draws a walk. He typically is going to give you a, a quality at bat. Um, and, and that's kind of like, if that's the worst that you have, is that like, oh yeah, this guy will at least give you a quality at bat. Yeah. You're a pretty deep lineup. And that's what the Mariners have right now. Well, yeah. And you just mentioned it. You're adding more talent to it soon. With Jerry Kelnick, with Tom Murphy. I mean, we don't know how those guys are going to perform coming back off of injury, but still, uh, just on paper, adding those two guys who, I mean, Jerry Kelnick was one of the best hitters in baseball in the month of April. Obviously kind of fell off a little bit from you know the rest of the way, but was starting to pick it up before the injury. And then Murphy has been one of the best hitting catchers in all of baseball. Like, you have a very dynamic lineup and a very dynamic bench. I mean, this is yeah. by far the deepest we've seen the Mariners in a very long time, offensively speaking. Very, right. very long time. Like, you're adding at at worst, assuming these guys get back healthy and they can stay healthy yeah. and all that stuff. You're adding at worst two league average bats back yeah. to your lineup in a couple yeah. of weeks. And honestly, when properly deployed, they're above league average, Murphy especially. And, and then, like, Kelnick is... Like we're we're kind of assuming that Kelnick will come back and he'll just be like what he was in July, which is you know, you know, draw a walk, hit a home run every once in a while. Hmm. Maybe we're like, oh well, what if he's just like the one thirteen WRC plus guy he was, you know, what if it's September Kelnick? But yeah, what if it's September Kelnick? What if it's he comes back and oh all of a sudden he's hitting, you know, a one thirty five WRC plus, then yeah. all of a sudden you're cooking with gas because um and you just, you just I think you're gonna get a motivated Kelnick too, right? You know, a guy that, that feels like he let his ever. team well, I mean, obviously, Don't get relaxed but, for motivation, but yeah, but no. but I think like you know, there's going to be an extra chip on his shoulder, right? Because you know, he he feels like he let his team down, and uh, sure, that that could manifest its way in a couple ways. So yeah, yeah, it could. Uh, it could we'll it we'll could. see how it goes for him. But uh, by the way, can we stop? I I saw the emails, I saw the questions. Yeah, am I worried about Jared Kelnick's headspace when he comes back? No, no, no. no. Don't no. be that person. No, and I'm not worried about messing up the vibes. And no, I don't think Kelnick for is a couple of years for the clubhouse. Him, yeah, calling him egotistical and all this stuff. Look, he made a mistake. He made a very dumb decision. But at 23 years old. And he was very regretful of that decision. He mm -hmm. learned I'm I think he learned from his mistake. He paid the price of his mistake by breaking his freaking foot. Like let's let's touch yeah. grass here, folks. Let's yeah. touch some grass. Careful. Your toxic masculinity is showing. Sure. Yeah. So just remember you are enough. That's right. That's, that's mm -hmm. right. Have you seen that movie yet? No. You no, I see that movie. I know. I, I want to see it. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, 
37,434 mm-hmm. people at the ballpark last night on a Monday against the A's. Probably a sellout tonight. Julio Funko Pop night. Ooh, Which, yeah. by the way, if you guys get an extra, let me know. I think I can put together a very competitive let, trade let, package let, for that let Funko let Pop. Not Ty. Not Ty. Ty doesn't have the stuff that I have. I have, have a sign. I have a signed Joel Pinero card that I would be more than willing to give you. I have JP Crawford Funko Pops. I have bobbleheads. I have one of which you you won't give me any of them. You have like five JP Crawford Funko Pops, don't you? Like, and yeah. you won't give me a, one of them. Well, I gotta I gotta save them in case I have to trade five for the Julio. So, right. Yeah. So if you get an extra Julio Funko Pop, let us know. I think we can work out a trade. But. uh yeah, enjoy the game you're going tonight. It's going to be a fun uh, game, even though it's a Tuesday against the Astros. I'd be pretty surprised if it Ace. was. Or sorry, yes, uh, Tuesday. That is different. I wish Tuesday, it was against the Astros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I would expect at least thirty five thousand again. Uh, yeah, and I wouldn't be too surprised if we got a Tuesday sellout. Uh, so have fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, let us know. Let us know if you happen to grab an extra. Yeah, the reason that I wish it was against the Astros is because watching Astros Twitter try and cope with what the Mariners doing right now. Oh, and Rangers awesome. Twitter too. And Rangers Twitter, but yeah. mostly Astros Twitter. It is mm-hmm. just yeah. delicious. What the Mariners are doing now is unsustainable, but what the Rangers did for the first three months is totally who they are. Absolutely. Right, right, right. right. Do you see the guy that was like, oh, the Mariners have been playing Bishop Sycamore for the last 10 games, the Astros yeah. guy? And we'll, yeah. like literally three of the last 10 games were against the Astros. Yes, the Astros yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I saw him getting dunked on pretty seriously. Yeah. So yeah, it's, just, it's fun oh when my. it doesn't happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Again, the uh, Mariners and the A's playing game two tonight. It's Ken Waldachuk versus George Kirby at the ballpark. You can catch all the action on the Mariners hometown broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app if you are not going to the ballpark. Check it out. All right, so Julio, four-hit night last night. That's his fifth four-hit game of the month of August. This is the most four-hit games in a calendar month since 1938, Colby. Once again. Decent. Yeah, once again, Julio doing Otani-level stuff. But unlike Otani, his team actually wins when he does this stuff. So, yeah, uh, he now leads the American League in hits, which is insane considering that he was like a league average bat for basically half the season i mean listen to this julio heading into the uh into the month of august was slashing 251 315 423 on the year that's a 107 wrc plus his overall numbers now 286 346 482 that's a 131 wrc plus i think he's added like two f4 maybe even more i don't I don't know where he was uh, heading into the month, but it's been a lot (laughs) like he's been insane. He's obviously going to be the AL player of the month winner. But Colby, you told me last night you want to paint a a scenario where maybe he gets into the conversation for American League MVP. So tell us about that. Sure. Real fast. Big Mariner playoff news. Um, Well, Mariner adjacent playoff news. Okay. Uh, Bo Bichette headed to the 10 day IL uh, with uh, right quad strain. So that is Matt Chapman and Bo Bichette both on the IL now. Uh, and former Mariner Mason McCoy uh, selected. Ah. He will make his major league debut. You might get to see his first career hit tonight. Guy. Hey, let's go. So, yeah, I'm going go. to I'm going to Rogers Center tonight. For those that don't right. know, I'm going to be wearing my Mariners hat. I'm going to go there full hater tonight. 
So. You can. There's at least a one blue jay you can root for, though. Mason hey, McCoy. Go Nats. Go Nats, though. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm all, about, I'm all about that natitude tonight. Anyways. So last night, um, you know, I'm looking at who, you know, I'm at work. So, of course, I'm looking at Julio's numbers and right. kind of trying to work. No, God, no. Yeah. Um, just kind of looking around and I'm thinking, hey, you know what? Julio's got a real good shot to finish second uh in in the uh american league mvp race which is insane and then you dig a little deeper in the numbers julio is one good month not even great like he doesn't have to repeat august to get here uh but julio is one good month away from finishing the year with 40 stolen bases 30 home runs 100 runs 100 rbi and if he does that and he just maintains his current slash line he will be one of just 10 players in major league history to have a season that i just described yeah. Uh, it tied you up the list these, because it's yeah. a pretty impressive list. Yeah, listen to these names, right? 1990 Barry Bonds. Bonds also did it in 1996. A Rod with Mariners in 98. So Julio wouldn't be the first Mariner to do it. Uh, Matt Kemp in 2011. Howard Johnson in 1989. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero in uh, 2002. Uh, Eric Davis in 1987. Jose Canseco in 1988. Bobby Abreu in 2004. So elite company that, that that's a good list that's a good list good list of players yeah 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 and again he's at like 80 i want to say 82 rbi and like 84 runs um obviously he's already got he's needs five stolen bases to get to 40 he needs six home runs in the last 31 games like these are all very attainable uh numbers and then you factor on top of that that he's probably the favorite to win the gold glove right now um yeah. He is one of the best base runners in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Uh, he has the fan power, and his team right now is the narrative is, is that Julio has single handedly put them in position to win their mm-hmm. first American League West in over twenty years. Mm-hmm. My question is: is why is it insane to suggest that Julio could take a couple of MVP votes? Because we know. The Baseball Writers Association of America, they love narratives and they love narratives more than they love stats. Shohei Otani isn't going to pitch for the next six weeks. So that little narrative is gone. He was a good pitcher. He wasn't a great pitcher. Look, if Otani was still pitching, like he cruises. And honestly, yeah. he probably still does. He's probably still going to. Yeah, yeah. And he probably, and he should. He should. Let's, yeah. let's, let's be very, of course, Shohei Otani is, is the most valuable player. Yeah. Let's say that real quick. Right. Shohei of, Otani is going to win the American League MVP. Right. Of course he should. Yeah. But, but what if the narrative engine takes over? What if the Mariners continue to play really well in September? What if Julio continues to have a really good year? He's got an outside outside shot to hit 300, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, what if he does get to 30, 40, 100, 100, and he does hit 300, and he does have continue to play the gold glove defense, and the Mariners do win the American League? You can start to build a narrative where the, the Baseball Writers Association of America plays their favorite game, what is valuable actually mean? Is it the best or is it the most valuable? How can you be valuable if you don't make the playoffs? Like all that garbage, right? which I hate, but also still happens. It's insane how often that happens uh, with these people who vote for awards. So of course, Otani should win. Of course you should win. Yeah. Do I think Julio is going to? No. Do I think this could get really tight really quick? Mm. Yeah, I do actually, because... Again, the narrative engine drives so much of this 
um, so much of this award talk. And if Julio is, is got the gold glove in his back pocket, if he's got the silver slugger in his back pocket, if he's going 30, 40, 100, 100, if he's hitting around 300, if the Mariners are winning the division, there is going to be a little voice that says, well, what is really valuable? What does value mean? And it's mm-hmm. a terrible argument. I hate it, but it's one that they've used in the past. And if they apply it this year, based on how they've applied it in the past, Julio has a legitimate shot to get there. He's the second most valuable player position player um, in the American League by F4. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's hard charging. He's probably going to finish at six wins this year. Uh, and again, I mean, me, he's already at 5.4. He might finish at seven. <laughs> like, I mean, he's added, he's added two wins just this month alone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so again, it should be Shohei. It should. Yeah. Yeah. Even if like, and by the way, what happens if Shohei just says, you know what? October or September 10th, I'm done. I'm going to get the surgery early. I'm, I'm just going to sit out the rest of this year. I'm not playing for anything. Um, what if that happens? Right. And all of a sudden he's not adding on to his resume and Julio can Julio catch him with three good weeks at the end of the year. He might, he might. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's funny, you know, two weeks ago, I hate Julio Rodriguez because I don't think he should smile when he gets picked right. off. Like, Clearly, yeah. I mean, you, come on. You like, hate him. You, you yeah. I hate his guts, him. right? Yep. I, I, I'm the one guy on Mariners Twitter who unifies everybody because I hate Julio. Two weeks later, I say, Julio's closing the gap on the American League MVP race, and if he does this, this, and this, he has a legitimate case to make that he should stop be in being the so positive, Colby. And I am insane. I am nuts for even suggesting that the gap could be closing in the American league MVP race. To be fair, it was like one guy on Twitter, but still there was like three or four. It was right, like three or four, right, right. but still, I just, I think that, I think that duplicity there is hilarious. Um, so yeah, again, I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP. He shouldn't, it should be Shohei. What I'm saying is, is that if he continues to play like this, if he does something historical, like he is on pace to do, mm-hmm. the gap will close. And if, Shohei shuts himself down for the year. What if he struggles for the rest of the year? Mm-hmm. What if Julio, you know, continues to take off? What if the Mariners win the West? These questions will start to get asked. At the very mm-hmm. least, they will be asked. I think if all that happens, Julio still finishes a pretty distant second mm-hmm. to Shohei. But I think the gap is closing, and that is the whole point. Julio has put himself on a level where a month ago, like well, two months ago, Ty was asking, you know, is Julio even an all-star? Like, should he even be an all-star? And now we're sitting here talking about like, oh, he's probably finishing second yeah, in the most valuable player race. And that happened in the span of two months, like Like, six weeks, yeah, seven weeks. Like it it really clicked for him when he hit that uh, that game tying home run in Minnesota. That's when it really started to kick into high gear. And that was exactly 30 games ago. Uh, I was trying to look this up because I was like, because he's OPSing 1206 since that day. And I was like, all right, so I went on StatHead. I tried to look it up. I tried to see, like, how many people have OPS that high over a 30-game span? It's actually a lot. <laughs> like, there's people that have gone, like, 1,500 over that kind of span. I think Edgar did that a couple of times, by the way. I'm I think sure I said, I'm sure yeah, I saw, I saw Edgar a couple of times on, on that list. I was pretty surprised because, like, this feels like it is, like, something that hardly anyone has ever done but actually a lot of people have done this but still like julio is on 
Have they done it with the home runs? Have they done it with the stolen bases? Have they done it with the defense? Have they done it? Well, and that's the that's the thing, right? Like that's right. that's what makes that's what separates Julio here is that it's not just what he's doing at the plate; it's what he's doing on the base pass. It's what mm-hmm. he's doing with the glove. He's every like he's literally like Otani. Obviously, like he pitches and he hits and all that, but Julio does everything except for pitch. <laughs> like that's right. like he is elite at every single aspect of baseball aside from pitching right now like that's right. it and, julio, and catching. well i mean catching fly balls but uh sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> julio also plays a major role in run prevention just like pitching does though so yeah when you look at it julio is impacting the game in every way imaginable yeah. every way he possibly can yeah and again the gap is closing like i honestly i i don't think that's insane i think i think you're insane if you think the gap isn't closing on otani now it's still a sizable gap but you know a couple months ago there was no gap because it wasn't a conversation all julio has to do is have a good month of september the mariners continue to win they make the playoffs they win the division right yeah yeah if they do all of that Julio's going to finish in second place yeah for the uh, most valuable player award and if shohei gets shut down or if he decides to shut himself down and he doesn't have a you know three or four weeks to pad the numbers offensively, that gap can close permanently, and it can get real interesting, real tight. Again, mostly because, and really only because, the group of voters who vote for this type of stuff, while they're getting smarter, mm-hmm. still pretty dumb and still pretty arrogant. So, right, we'll see what the a lot, what a lot there, of gatekeeping but, in that group. Yes, a lot of yes. yeah, yeah. We don't need right. to get into that whole thing because it also leads into the Hall of Fame discussion and all that, but whatever. No more anyway. arrogant group of people on earth than the Baseball Writers Association of America. Yeah. Yeah. Just but, the worst uh, people to hang out with at a party. It, it's probably uh, the, the first half for Julio is probably what's going to ultimately hold him back here. And obviously, Otani is, you know, has done <laughs> yeah. something that no other player would ever even dream of doing. He's, he's pretty good. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I, I think Julio definitely has a really good case to make here for, for second place in the in the voting. Because like especially if you compare him to someone like Corey Seager, Corey Seager's had a more spread out season of production, but of insane production, but he's also been hurt a couple of times. Like yep. so, you know, it's just Julio, especially with the narratives, Julio should have the inside shot here at a mm-hmm. at a at second place, unless he just falls off a cliff, which I <laughs> I mean, there's no, nothing because, that suggests that's going to happen here. No. Uh, yeah, it's a lot easier to it's a lot easier to produce over 75 games than it is over 130. So yeah. that's yeah. the argument against Seager. And the argument against Bobby Witt is that his team is is so terrible and he's just not as good as, as Julio yet. Right. Right. So, yeah, yeah it, I think Julio's going to finish second. All right, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, C-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well over at Locked On Mariners. That's one word, Locked On Mariners. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Getting catch the Mariners and the A's tonight on the Mariners Hometown Broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you next time. Peace.